the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. Each episode, we welcome musicians, actors, comedians, authors, visual artists, filmmakers, anyone who creates art to talk about how and why we make stuff. This is feature episode 150, y'all, and our guest is Elijah Johnston. Elijah is a singer and songwriter from Athens, Georgia, whose infectious brand of indie pop earned him the Vic Chestnut Songwriter of the Year Award and deservedly so. His new album, Hometown Vampire, is infused with elements of so many sounds that I love. I fell for this record on the first listen, and I'm so excited for the opportunity to pick his brain about process. Everyone, it is my great honor to bring you my conversation with Elijah Johnson. Right there, the <laughs> right there is perfect, dude. Thanks for doing this. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I've been devouring your record, Hometown Vampire, and um, dude, thank you. Yeah, my thank you, my pleasure. I, I was having a conversation recently with somebody mm-hmm. about kind of what has happened in my life is that I've got this podcast. It was never meant to be white guys with guitars, but sure. I I know a lot of white guys with guitars, and I love them. And uh, it was never meant to be an Americana podcast, um, mm-hmm. but it kind of like went that direction just because I had access to folks and that's the stuff I gravitate toward. And so what has happened for me is totally. a lot of like listening to kind of folk influence sort of, you know, uh, singer songwritery kind of stuff. And I was just talking to somebody recently as I was doing a, a, a marinade moments, which is my podcast where I talk about shows I've attended and I was mm-hmm. doing I was doing Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh and wow! Yeah, I saw Neutral Milk Hotel in 2015, and like I saw Jeff Mangum solo a couple years before that. And I was just telling a friend of mine, like, especially in the aughts, like the in, from like 2000 to 2009 or 10, I don't think that you would, if you looked at my record collection or you looked at it later on my streams, you know, later on that decade, I don't think you would say that I was somebody who was like very Americana focused. I listened to a lot of, I was going, I was doing my deep dive into the beach boys. I was mm-hmm. like doing a lot of, um, I listened to a lot of Wilco, a lot of Radiohead. Um, really dive spoon was, was a big band for me then. And I was telling them how, like, I kind of missed that because mm-hmm. it, it pushed me, it challenged me. And your record came out right when I was having this conversation and it snapped me back 
to that adventurous time <laughs> when I was listening to all those great records. Um, it's absolutely fucking fantastic, man. And it feels like all those records that I got so excited about at that time. Yeah, dude. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's, uh, it's interesting. I feel like I'm always curious people who, uh, respond well to my music, who especially like that era of, of, you know, indie rock from like 15 years ago and stuff like that. I I'm always curious, like what, what it reminds them of because I find that it's usually it's usually pretty different than what I had in mind but never in like a negative way it's just kind of like a oh I wasn't super aware of that at that point in my life and I was I had kind of a different different frame of reference for that era you know yeah well I, I'll tell you what I what it does for me because I I think this speaks mm -hmm. to the power of the record and but also kind of on a broader level the power of music in general and that sure. is that your record uh takes me back to a time in in those in the aughts I was in my 20s so I'm mm -hmm. like from 20 to 29 during that time period and what it takes me back to is just such a time of exploration not just in music but uh just a curiosity that I had and I think mm -hmm. what uh, I try to still be a curious person. I try to still be a lifelong learner, but I think what happens when you get to my age, like there is, I, you know, I own my house and I got my partner and my dogs and my, my career is pretty settled. And mm -hmm. th I, I think that there can be a feeling of kind of like, and this isn't bad. I'm just settled, right? Like I'm just very yeah. happy with my life. But what I don't want to have happen is I don't want to not be curious. And I think what yeah. this these songs do is that they make me curious again. Like it sparked yeah. a curiosity in me. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that. I I, I definitely feel like the making of the album was a very like why not we're curious type of experience and environment like recording wise. So I'm glad that, that, that it, cre that it comes across that way. And then it creates that, you know? All right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the mm -hmm. process. Um, let's start with sort of the writing of the songs. What is your process like in general? What are you a sit down, do the work everyday person? Does it come when it comes? I wish, I wish I could tell you that I was a little more uh, consistent about it. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I watched this documentary recently about like old school Nashville songwriters and they're talking about, you know, we keep office hours and stuff like that. And I, I appreciate that. And I've had times where I've tried to do that kind of thing, but generally speaking, I'm like, uh, I'll sit down and play the guitar when I feel like I need to. And the song usually, the song usually happens all at once. It usually happens pretty quickly. Mm. Um, but it's not like, a it's not as much of a, I'm going to sit down. I mean, I've written plenty of songs that I've just not done anything with because I was like, Oh, this isn't very good, but um, it's an exercise, but I, uh, I'm not like as, I'm not as consistent as other people are. Um, it's not a, it's not an everyday type of thing for me. I don't think. Okay. So when you're sitting down, you sit down, you've got your guitar, you're playing a little bit and you say it all comes is that like a line comes to you? Let's get a little more granular on it. Like, yeah. How, how does that work? I think it's typically a phrase will come together. It's usually like phrase and melody at the same time is kind of like 
it's it usually takes like one one phrase and then I can kind of like peel it back after that but I have to have like an entry point um and it's almost like I I get the best way I know how to describe it is it's like if you were looking for like a like a trap door and you were like put you had your hands up against the wall and you're trying to like feel for like a like a a divot where you can press your hand through and like all of a sudden there's going to be a, a trap door and it's like all of a sudden I find like the one phrase where it's like oh I can press on that and that's going to make it work and um because I think that I've written like I said I've written plenty of songs that I don't love or I never do anything with and usually those are things where I'm like oh this makes sense and this all rhymes and this has a structure and it checks the box of like song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's usually when it's something that I'm inspired by or something that I want to record, it's usually something that where it's like, it kind of spills out. Um, and like, I don't know, like a lot of the songs on this record started as like one line or like one or two phrases of like, okay, I have this melody. I feel really strongly about that. And I've got a couple lines that feel really good. And I have to kind of just sit here until every other piece of it feels the same quality, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's man. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way from anybody in their process that that sort of trap door thing. At what Mm -hmm. point in your evolution as a creative person, as a songwriter, at what point did you kind of come upon that method was that something that has always been there was that something you've developed over time I think that as time goes on it it feels more like that um I think when I was younger it it, when you're young doing anything I think what you're trying to do is learn the form and it felt like you know early on like writing songs for me was like songs have a verse and then a chorus and then a bridge that does this you know and um Mm you want to it's like with anything like you, you it's hard to i would imagine i don't paint but i would imagine that it's hard to start with you know you have to learn how to paint the fundamentals first would be my guess um and i feel like early on it was a lot more about like practicing like the form and practicing like the rhyme and trying to get down like oh a lot of songs have like pop songs and country songs and st- classic rock like they have a structure where it's like you drop a clue and then the third verse, you come back to it and you kind of try to tie it all together. Um, and I think as time has gone on, it's become a little more intuitive and I think maybe a little less like structured. It's, it's, it's less, uh, it's a little more off the, off the rails a little bit in a fun way. Man. Thanks for sharing all of that. I'm, I'm so you're making me think, especially with with all of that, plus the conversation we had at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I think about the record, like I said, I've spent a lot of time with it and mm-hmm. um, I find something new each time because there's a lot of, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm always impressed when this happens, when there's a lot of stuff going on and it sounds smooth, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm always amazed by um, so many different things happening. There's a couple of songs that have this kind of pet soundsy influence to them. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of songs that, like I said, remind me of some of those aughts bands. Vampire Weekend comes to mind with some of this that's, stuff, right? That's a hu- that was a huge one, huge one for me. Okay, so let's dive in a little yeah. bit to, to that because yeah. I'm curious as I hear all these sounds, like what what the records were that you know that you've kind of grown up on. What are sort of the 
those seminal records for you or those bands for you? Yeah, I think, I think early on, um, I, I mean, Vampire Weekend was a big band that really kind of helped it all. I don't know. I, I was, when I got into them, it was kind of around that third album coming out. And I was like, you know, it was very like, they were the perfect songs to be coming out when I was that age, like high school age, like, oh man, this is like really just, this feels like being this old, you know, um, yeah, yeah. kind of like heady. It was cause I was like, these are like these really catchy, beautiful pop songs that are about like wrestling with like God and, you know, like wrestling with like big themes and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, I didn't, I didn't know that was allowed, um, (laughs) but I, um, they were a big band for me. Um, I was a huge like animal collective fan during Mm. that time. Like they, that was, I was very, and that kind of was the thing that set me on the path of like, Oh, I have the beach boys are more than just the band I liked when I was a kid. Cause I loved the beach boys when I was seven, eight years old, I had like the greatest hits, but I was just like, Oh, they're the fun beach band, you know? And um, Animal Collective was the thing that made me go backwards and be like, oh, they, they were like really serious artists, you know, mm-hmm. um, and also kind of set me down the path of getting really into pavement and a lot mm-hmm. of like getting, you know, kind of into like that era of of stuff, like a lot of the 90s kind of indie rock type type stuff, you know. Yeah, man, all that makes so much sense. That comment you made about the Beach Boys, I think is just such a somewhat universal experience for so many of us that like, I I mean, me too, I had Endless Summer on cassette and I remember how much I loved that that cassette and then much later getting into really getting to Pet Sounds, especially right about the time that Smile was released. Um, Just really going back and doing the deep dive I actually got a chance to see Brian Wilson play Pet Sounds uh, oh, in wow. 2016. Yeah, it was a yeah. really cool experience. Yeah, um, I was I was super. It, it was funny, like growing up, being really into them and liking, you know, the, the pop songs. And then it's funny because you know, then you you get to a certain age and you get really into the Beatles, and it's like, oh, well, that's like ingrained in the story is that they were artists. You know, that yeah. is like the whole. That's the whole narrative. It's very clean. It's like they were the biggest pop band in the world and then they were and then they were serious you know and then they were done and with the beach boys you don't really learn that as much and i got i i was very into like the the reissued like the smile sessions kind of yeah. like recomposited version of it and i remember yeah. listening to that being like i don't i i don't have like i don't even know i have to start over you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah i got to start over yeah, man, a hundred percent. Okay, so let's. I like that you framed that that the the narrative uh, around the 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 Beatles and the Beach Boys, for whatever reason, is different. And um, mm-hmm. I'm interested. So let me ask you this question: Is if you're looking at your musical journey so far, okay, mm-hmm. um, how, and let's say someone was was going to go ahead and make a documentary about your career okay sure sure what would be like three or four scenes that you think need to be included in that documentary Mm. to tell your story interesting um i would say 
scene one of the uh, maybe not in order but mm-hmm. one of the scenes is definitely got to be me i don't know the 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 first time i ever played a show in athens i had played a couple shows in atlanta um when i was first starting to like try and get out there and do stuff um but the first time i ever played in athens i played all these new songs that i hadn't like it was the kind of thing where i invited a lot of people and and uh i wasn't sure if anyone was going to be there and i played by myself and i played and it was very heavy it was kind of like all these songs were very like heavy and raw and very fresh and i remember like that night several people that still play music with me coming up to me and being like i know like we're friends i didn't know you played music and i'm in your band now like i'm just letting you know like you know like my uh, my friend tom that produced this album and and the last uh the last one the last two he um and you know plays bass on a lot of our stuff in the recordings like he uh he was there that night and like our other friend Hampton P that has played in my band off and on for years. Like I remember both of them walking up to me that night and being like, so you, you have, you're, we're in your band. I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's just how it is. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, wow. What a feeling. A, yeah, no, definitely. It was, it was, uh, that was, a that would, that would definitely be a big, a big scene of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so big, you got that. Good. That is mm-hmm. huge. What What else? If there's a, like a couple more scenes from your career so far, that is a big one. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess I guess the one I always think of is especially in the early days is like a big hinge point was there was this um, kind of wild moment where we were supposed to play like just a typical like Athens house show. You know, we were going to have a few bands play at our buddy's house, whatever. And um the college paper in Athens, someone got a little too excited and wanted to write an article, basically a preview for the house show and being like, come check out this sick thing. And um, it ended up being brought to the attention of the landlord of the house. And our buddy that was the host was like, yeah, my landlord said he's not, that's not happening, you know? And it was the kind of thing where it was like, man, this is why, why you don't tell people about house shows. You don't put them in the paper, you know? And, um, but (laughs) it was funny because, because they, uh, basically last minute it was like, um, we've got a lot of friends coming. We need to figure something out. And our, our friend Drew, who is our manager now at, at the time, he was working at the Georgia theater in Athens and he let us play on the roof, um, and make it free and make it this whole big thing and there was just like a line around the block to get up there and i remember that was the first time that like all of our bandmates and our friends we were like dude i didn't realize people liked me <laughs> like i thought this was just kind of like a a funny thing that we did and now you know it was the, one of the first times where it was like oh we're this is like kind of something that people take seriously you know and we probably ought to take it seriously of like doing at least my bandmates probably already took it seriously i think that was one of the first times i i realized it was something i needed to take seriously but um you know wow um, okay so i'm interested in that so so what i'm hearing you say is like it's not as though you necessarily set out to make this sort of a full-time real thing you just sort of backed up into it is that accurate well i think i think i always 
I think I always knew I wanted it to be a big thing or, or a big part of my life, but I had like no, I just had no plan. Uh, I had no, I had no sense of like seeing if anybody was invested in it. I had no way of gauging that. I had nothing beyond like, I just want to record some songs and put them out. Um, and I, I guess that was one of the first times where it was like, oh, this is a, th a thing that means something to like a community of people and being in a band and playing in bands is like a thing you do in a scene and in a community and as a unit, you know, and not just like on your island. Um, so I guess that it was kind of a perspective widening type thing. It was always a big deal to me, but maybe not to to that degree yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I like the, you know, acknowledgement that like you didn't necessarily have a plan. I think it's, I always like that, those questions. I'm interested in when people decided, first of all, when people acknowledge that they needed to make stuff, right? Like I feel mm -hmm. as though all of us who make stuff, there is a need somewhere in us to do it. And mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I didn't realize until probably at least my late twenties, probably into my thirties that mm -hmm. I was a creative person who needed to make stuff. And if I wasn't making stuff, I wasn't going to be my best self. And mm -hmm. I now recognize that like, I have to do it because if I don't do it, then part of me is not fulfilled. It is not satisfied yeah. and I'm just not my best. Right. If I'm yeah, not doing totally. those things. But I think also I, I have only recently developed any sort of plan where I like in the last six years, I would say I started to develop some sort of plan and I would, I would say, honestly, in the last six months, have I really been going for it? Have I really been yeah. moving in that direction? And I think the lesson I've learned, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, especially reflecting on that time when you had that line around the block, I think what I've recognized in the last few months is the idea that I'm noticing with a plan that things are happening. <laughs> go go totally, figure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it's. It's frustrating how it works out like that. How you think <laughs> you think that I mean I always I, I was I don't know. I, I, I always felt like, oh I will just I'll just waltz into whatever is gonna happen to me and, and then it kinda took a little bit of like having one or two I think having like a little bit of fortunate stuff happen to you is is sometimes a good and a bad thing because you get upset when it doesn't keep happening that way. Mm. And then it turns into, Oh, I actually have to like take real steps to replicate anything good happening going forward, you know? Yeah. And then once you get to that next step, there are other steps. That's the other thing sure. too, is like, yeah. that's one of the things I've been reflecting on lately is that like, you know, we got to a certain level, whatever you want to say with the marinade, where it's like, we have dedicated fans, um, who many of whom have been there since the beginning and they're going to listen mm -hmm. to every episode and they're going to yeah. support us and all of that. And, and I love them and I'm grateful for them, but I also want to bring more people into the umbrella because I feel like these conversations are important. And I want to, I want mm -hmm. the, I want people to hear you talk about hometown vampire and go get the record. And I want them to be inspired by something that, that you or I are both say. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, more is better in that case. And I think what, what I've come to coming to the realization of is that like, you got to keep taking those steps and you have to have uh kind of recalculate those plans to recalibrate those plans. And, totally. and you know what I mean? Cause like, 
there's one thing to get the podcast started or get the record started. It's another thing yeah. to finish it. It's another thing to then get it out there in the world. It's another thing to talk about it. And all of sure. those steps, if you just sort of assume that what you did before is going to inform the next one, well, not necessarily, man, you know? Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, I'm interested in, uh, so like I said, I, there's not like, wasted time or space on this record it um top to bottom is fantastic uh every song is great um there are 11 tracks on it um i'm interested in the process of getting of putting that that album together um mm -hmm. did you come in with a whole bunch of songs um were these like clearly the 11 that you needed i think that i think that the the mindset i try to have when i go into like recording mode or putting the album together is like I don't want to have it be the kind of thing where it's like well we probably had to have eight nine ten songs 11 songs whatever so I got a couple more laying around I'll just kind of add them and um I mean I've put out records that had like eight nine like I'm I'm very pro like if I don't feel like there's another one that needs to be there it doesn't it's we're done um and um, I think that for this one, it kind of came together pretty clearly of like the songs were a little bit all over the map and sort of being written, not with a super like the last couple of records before that I had really written them like really like in a batch. Like, okay, I, I remember where I was the day I started writing that first song and I wrote until the last one and we're just, we're done, you know? Yeah. Um, this one, there was a lot more that I was writing and a lot of songs that were, this was one of the first times where I'd ever had songs that I, I mean, I, two of the songs were co-written and it was kind of the first time that I'd ever been like bringing in someone to co-write the song, not because I was like, oh, it, it was, it was less intentional. It was more of a, oh, this just isn't done. And I love the idea, but I really can't get it there and I need someone to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I had never really done it. I had written co-written songs before, but it was always with the intent of like, I'm seeking out my friend who's good and we're going to do this thing for this reason. Um, like me and my buddy Zach had a song called horse girl come out a few years ago. That was kind of like a joke song that we kind of wrote with the purpose of like, we're doing this. Um, but all that to say that this one was kind of like slowly, cohering as time went on um and then a big part of it was just that we had we had some recording time that we were able to get and at the the big studio where we did most of the record um and it was the kind of thing where tommy reached out and was like hey we have like a week that's free um and we'd be able to do it you know kind of on the on the down low and on the cheap or whatever and it, I, I figured you probably have some songs if you want to get working on anything else and I was like all right you know let's let's start and this is a couple months out and so I was able to kind of edit um and thankfully in the, the way we've done thankfully kind of like blessing curse we've done everything we've done in the past really and and same with this album like pretty strict budget, you know, kind of like I'm having to do a lot, finance a lot of stuff myself and I'm having to think through a lot of that alone. 
Um, and I think when you have that also, that kind of forces you to edit because it's like, well, I can't pay for like, I can't afford to make like a grand double, you know, like crazy concept album. I got to kind of keep it streamlined a little bit, you know? That's really interesting. I, I, I'm, I've been talking a lot about sort of money and art, right? And like, mm-hmm. you know, how I don't think most people realize how expensive it is to make a record and then to pay a publicist totally. and all yeah, of the yeah, thing, yeah. right? Studio time, all the stuff, musicians, um, artwork, and I mean, just on and on and on and on. And I yeah. don't think. I don't think most folks realize that, especially with streaming and music just being out there for sure. free. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to kind of highlight just how how much money plays into the decision making process Definitely, of yeah. this. Right. Um, I heard. So I, I'm interested in that moment when you couldn't get the song across the finish line and you asked for some help mm-hmm. and you brought in somebody. How comfortable are you asking for help uh, in that kind of situation creatively? I think the, I think I've gotten a lot better about it. I used to really not be good at doing that. Um, I was almost a little militant about not doing that in the past. I think I was kind of like, well, everybody else can co-write, but I'm, you know, I'm serious, yeah. you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm a real, you know, and not realizing how stupid of a, of a <laughs> mentality that is. But um, I think for me, it was for this one, it was like, it was especially helpful too. Cause we were the guy who uh, it was our, my manager drew and one of my bandmates, he plays with us and played on the record and drew Beskin. I, I basically, we were making an album for him before like while I was writing these songs like we were in the recording process for his record and I was kind of still writing uh a lot of these songs and so I had we had I mean we were already friends before that but we had gotten to know each other a lot better and gotten to understand each other's musical sensibilities a lot better and the record that we made together really was like very I think for all of us that were involved in a kind of like third eye open type experience of just like what how much fun recording music can be and everything like that and um but so i i was basically just kind of like with both of these songs i was with it was the title track hometown vampire and then nobody ever feels its way the last song with both of those i kind of brought something to him and was like i have half or three quarters or however much of a song and it feels like it needs something else and i think that you might be the one that can crack it um, and it, they didn't happen at the same time, but with both of them, he just kind of took it and ran with it. And, um, I was able to sort of, he's a, he's a big ideas guy. He's got, like, you ask him for, to help you write a song and he's basically going to write a whole nother song almost, which is really exciting. And then I was able to kind of like condense it and edit it down a little bit from all the kind of the ideas he had fired off. What was the name of that record? The, the third eye record. Oh, this album that we made, uh, his album is called uh, Somewhere Sideways, Same As You. Okay. It's Drew's record. I, I played bass all over it. Um, it was basically the exact same team of people that made Hometown Vampire. It, it was my brother playing drums and our buddy Tom playing a lot of lead guitar and producing stuff. Um, 
And it was like, we would do every song like one in a day. And Drew would basically finish writing the song the day before the session. Like he would literally book a day and be like, I'm going to have a song finished by that day. And then, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I, you know, that, that really kind of helped me sort of, I don't know, it, it sort of, it, it was a very fun eye-opening type experience. And um, like I said, really kind of made me realize that Drew on the songwriting level and also just allowing uh, my brother Gideon and Tommy, our producer to like, allowing myself to trust them more of like, I can just kind of give you the ball and I know that you're going to make it happen, you know? Very cool. Very cool. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, I, I've, I've read a couple of things that where you've sort of described the idea of sort of uh, local celebrity or small town kind of celebrity. Can you talk a little bit about sure. that and that theme? Yeah, I think that, man, I think that where, where I was kind of coming from and like the whole, the Athens experience, it's so like, it's not unique, but it, it feels like it, you know, it's like anywhere that has like a music scene has that thing of like, you get a little too big for the environment you're in. And um, Athens especially has a really funny aura where sometimes there's, there's like this double-edged sword of it, you know, it's, it's a, a place it's, a little cheaper to live than a lot of other places. And it, it can often create this, like a lot of just no boundaries, really exciting art, really exciting music. Um, but the kind of flip side of that is that there's not always the most ambition. And I think that a lot of our friends were sort of struggling with this idea that like, feels like every time you try to, you try to get up out of the mud, people are, you know, just going to like make fun of you and, and mm. people are going to criticize you. And uh, it was very, I think on everybody's mind, I have a, a, a friend from Athens that played on this record and has played in my band for a little while. This guy named Cannon Rogers, he's got this song that he put out called classic city celebrity. Cause you know, Athens is called the classic city. And it was so weird because he showed it to me and I was like, dude, this is, so much of what I've been thinking about of like this idea of like you know you if you have what's the middle ground of like I'm trying to do well and I'm trying to be taken seriously but I don't want to be self-serious and I don't want to be like a, a scumbag who thinks that the fact that people in my in my town know who I am means anything more than what it really does you know what I mean yeah. Have, do you have a hard time with that at all? Are you able to balance that? Well, I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't think that, I think that it's, I think for some time at the beginning of playing music, I was always very aware of like, how are people perceiving me? How are people seeing me? And then I, 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 at this point I have no real interest and I have no knowledge of people. I, I'm kind of like, I don't, I have, I have no idea. Cause I'll meet, I'll meet people in Athens who are like, I've seen you play a gazillion times. I know every word and I know what restaurant you like to eat at. And then I meet 
And then I have friends or I'll have people that I'm well acquainted with that are like, Oh, you play music. And I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's fine. Like it doesn't, it does not, it matters, but it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like in the grand scheme of things, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's not anything that I feel particularly worried about knowing or caring much about of like how people view anything that I do, especially if they're like my neighbors, like I'm just like, if they like it. That's great. And if they don't, then that's fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I mean, my partner in life does not listen to my podcast at all. And yeah. like, that's fine. You know, yeah, like, no. I mean, it's not for her and that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want her to listen just to humor me or whatever. It no, doesn't... totally. I, I'm, I, I get that. I mean, I think it's, it's always funny. It's, it's important. I think to have people in your life who are like, I'm here for you. And, and if, and I'm not going to lie to you about stuff and I'm not, you know, like my, my girlfriend is very good at being like, I love your music. I care about it. But you know, it, uh, when we met, I was not a music, like we've been friends for a long time. And it was like, uh, the thing we always laugh about is like, when she met me, I was not somebody that played in a band. I had, no, there was no, she had no idea about any of that. And it's like, you don't, you don't ever want to be with someone where it feels like it's can it's based on anything you're doing. You know what I mean? Like that would right. be terrible. Absolutely. Be awful. Yes, it would. Yes. I 100% <laughs> agree with you. That is well said, man. This has been a pleasure. We usually end on what you're getting down on. So that's the art that has you inspired at the moment. Could be music you're listening to or a film you've watched or painting or whatever. Oh man. I guess. Um, book you're reading i've been i've been reading this well i've actually been reading this book recently um it's called the girls or no not the girls the guest by emma klein she she had another book called the girls but the guest it's like this story of this woman that kind of is just like a 23 year old train wreck like burning bridges left and right with all her friends and anybody she like dates or anything like that and there was this line in it that I read the other day. We were, we were headed up to New York to play a show and it was funny. It was very, it kind of hit me a little too close to home. Cause it was this line about like seeing, seeing a bunch of young people on the train at the beach with, you know, they're going to spend the weekend in a nice condo. And the whole idea was like, they want to seem wealthy and they, you know, they, they want to live inside of a world that they'll never be part of, you know, just mm. for a week or something like that. And I was like on my way to New York to blow a bunch of money on these nice restaurants that we <laughs> ate at. And I was like, I guess, I guess that's kind of me right now, you know, <laughs> a little too, a little too straight up, but yeah, you know, I love that. I love that. When art calls you out on your own bullshit, that's great. Yeah, man. Yeah, man, that's great. Well, dude, yeah. this is, again, I'm really grateful for your time and energy. Hometown vampire yeah. folks listening, go get the record, go listen to it. Um, uh, physical copies available on your website. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On, on the website or on the, on the labels website, Sterling bones records. Awesome. Way. Awesome. Yeah. Go get a physical copy. Everybody trust me. It's great. Give it a spin, listen to it, uh, man. I wish you all the best. And, uh, I'm really, really, like I said, very grateful for this record and very grateful for your time. Dude. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Have a great night. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You too. All right. Thank you. All right. See ya. See ya. Thank you.
Elijah Johnston, y'all. Thank you so much, Elijah. Thank all of you for listening. ElijahJohnston.net for all things Elijah Johnston. Go get a physical copy of Hometown Vampire, y'all. The song you're hearing in this episode is Drewby Got a Haircut from that wonderful record. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade. I just published a review of episode 149, guest Terry Klein's excellent new record over there. And am committed to writing quite a bit more in the coming weeks and months and years. We'll have our year recap coming up. I always like to do a couple of pieces to kind of wrap up the year. And I'm also planning on reviewing more shows and records as I I used to do, um, you know, what feels like a long time ago. But I'm really committed to, to spending more time writing. And so look for that coming up soon follow us on youtube instagram tiktok reddit spoutable twitter blue sky mastodon we're on all the things y'all other than facebook subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app tell a friend about the show these are all free ways to support the marinade go do that now while you're listening please it makes a big difference for us and costs so little of your time and energy if you really like what we're doing and can swing it please consider joining our patreon community where for just a few bucks a month you can gain access to patreon exclusive content like our show jason's journey where i talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade i want to shout out our newest patron connor hickey connor has been just so supportive of the show and of my work for so long and um, me of his as well. He's a wonderful songwriter. Um, You've heard me talk about him before and uh, I'm just so grateful that he's chipping in over there and being a part of our little community. We have fun over there. We, We get to turn each other on to different music and um you know we we have conversations that um you know maybe would get lost on uh, a larger platform but we have kind of a close-knit community over there and i feel like um everybody's voice uh, gets hurt which is really great and you can try a free trial of it if you want if you want you can try it see if you like it no pressure try it for seven days set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel and keep going if you dig it it's just two bucks a month y'all you can chip in more if you're able um but for you'll get everything for two bucks a month if you want to support the show financially but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription i totally get that you can venmo or paypal us it's just at the marinade all the money goes right back into the making of the show we're going to be covering orange blossom review we want to get back to swanee in the spring there's all these things that are coming up that um, our patreon patrons make possible so thank you so much but hey above all y'all we are just thankful that you listen and spread the word about the marinade until the next time go out and create something cheers Thank you.